Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra in on-trend hues like green, citron, and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Two days away from the 2018 NBA Draft and the 76ers bring back two prospects for visit Number two at their training complex in Camden, New Jersey. On Tuesday, Kevin Knox coming back for a solo session in the afternoon. And Zaire Smith out of Texas Tech will be part of another six-man workout group earlier in the morning. Ryan Seltzer welcoming you back to a, another draft edition of the podcast. Really looking forward to hearing from our guest on this edition of the podcast, none other than NBC Sports, Philadelphia 76ers analyst, Ala Ablanabi. Haven't heard his voice in about, what is it now, a month's time or more. And it's a very welcoming, excellent voice to hear. As we've come to know over the last couple seasons, Ala, of course, before he started doing Sixers games, full-time was a college basketball analyst for CBS Sports Network. He still does a couple games here and there, so thought why not reach out to him and get his perspective on things about the Sixers and the draft. Before we bring in Allah, reminders that to subscribe to the podcast, you can go to iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, type in Sixers Podcast Network. We're also on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com backslash Sixers. Whatever the occasion, it is always excellent to be connecting with this man that we have on the line, Allah Abdelnabi. What's up, man? How you doing? Great, Brian. Good to be with you as always. Uh, always fun to talk basketball with you, my friend. Listen, we're going to get into some of the stuff related to the draft, but we actually haven't spoken since the last game you, Zoo, and Molly worked for NBC Sports Philadelphia, which was the end of the first round for the 76ers against the Miami Heat. So I almost feel like there wasn't complete closure to the season, that we did not get to hear an Ala Abdelnabi take, opinion, thought, perspective, insight on how everything shook out against the Boston Celtics. So before we dive into the draft, what did you think about how the second round went? Well, I think the, the trick is to look past the disappointment that you feel um, when you get eliminated and you get sent home. And I think there's obviously a, you know, a lot of disappointment losing to the Celtics, rightfully so. But I, I don't think for a sec uh, that it should take away from anything that, uh, that the Sixers did as a team, as an organization this year with the 50-plus wins, with the way they conducted themselves down the stretch uh, of the regular season, 
playing about as good as basketball as uh, anybody on the planet was playing at the time. Um, so there was a lot of positive and um, I, I don't forget the 10 and 10, 10 and 72 season. Uh, it's still uh, in my rear view mirror where I can see it. And so when you think about that season and you think about what we saw last year, uh, the progress has been stunning. Um, and it was just a fun part. It was a fun thing to be a, uh, a part of it. And I felt it was also a privilege to be a part of it, get to watch some really high level basketball and watch this team come together as a unit. The Sixers exceeded expectations. That's a fair statement to make, you think? Absolutely. I mean, come on. If you would have told me we would have gone over the 50 mark uh, as far as wins are concerned uh, in October, I would have looked at you and said, you know, probably why don't you just tamper that down? That's probably not realistic for this season. Um, I would have thought perhaps that was something that the Sixers would have been able to accomplish in the years moving forward. But that being said, it just speeds up the progress that much more um, because right now the Sixers have even more to build on. When you broke into the league with the Trailblazers back in the heyday of that franchise in the early 1990s, you were thrust into the midst of a situation, you've talked about this a lot in the past, where that was a team competing at a high level. Do you think there is something to the stance that if you're a young player, it takes going through the playoffs, the postseason, to really get a feel for what it's like, what it demands? Absolutely. I, it, it's a great point you make because the regular season is one thing and success in the regular season um, deserves a lot of attention and credit and you should be lauded for it. But I think it's a different beast when you get into the playoffs. And I know that having gone through it myself as a player, um, you just the game gets taken to another level. Uh, you hear the phrase money time where it's you know applied to the baseball playoffs. Uh, the same thing in the NBA. I think reputations are made in the playoffs individually and collectively. Uh, and I think the Sixers comported themselves really well uh, as far as a team that hadn't been in the playoffs for a while, had some a, a lot of guys that were going through it for the first time and trying to find their way through um, the difficulties of the NBA playoff season and uh, finding some success, being able to navigate through that. Um, that there's a lot to be said for that. Um, and the Sixers have a lot to be proud of, but again, it should only encourage them because I think it's something where you learn about how far you can go and you, you get knocked down a little bit and then it makes you want to go a little further. And hopefully that's the, uh, that's the fire that's burning between inside of each and every player, because there's a lot more to do. From the fan perspective, it might be understandable for someone to say, well, you know, the Sixers went on this great run, and who knocked them out? A division rival, the Celtics. And, oh, by the way, their timeline looks like it's pretty similar right now to where the Sixers are in terms of having a youthful core and what they might be able to add. But from this standpoint, from the coverage standpoint, a member of the media, I think it's an awesome storyline where you have these two longtime rivals. I think it's no doubt about it that we're going to get a big-time revivalry of it. And um, you've got these young players in the thick of it that foreseeably could be duking it out for years to come. Yeah, No, I agree with you. And listen, having played for both organizations and worn that jersey for both teams, they're both proud teams, um, both teams with proud, long histories. Um, that they like to draw upon, and rightfully so. Uh, it's still a big treat. You know this from knowing me over the years when Dr. J is in the building, when any of the old 76ers are around, because um, 
there, there's a source of pride there. And the Celtics are the same way. And now to see the modern versions of those teams playing at a high level, how could you not love that? How could you not be uh, caught up in the fun because of what the history has shown us in the past? You know, it's kind of like a history is prologue. Well, it's the same idea in that it promises the future. And what we've seen as far as little glimpses so far of the little rivalry that's budding, um, yeah, there's a lot to be excited about. It's going to be fun because I think right now, whoever is looking over the other person's shoulder, both teams will be pretty close to each other. As if an 82-plus game workload were not enough for you between the months of October, April, into May, inevitably it seems like if I'm sitting at home on an off night and I turn on the television and I scroll through once, twice, maybe three times, their pops, a la Abdelnabi, doing a game for CBS Sports Network, something like that on the college level. How much fun do you still have keeping tabs in that area of the sport? I love it because it, it helps me do my job with the Sixers, too. You've right. heard me over the years, um, and I know our, our listeners and our viewers have heard me over the years, you know, harken back to guys and their careers in college and what they were doing and what their scouting report was coming out of college and how far they've progressed. I wouldn't be able to know any of that stuff if I didn't have the collegiate background. So I'm grateful. Listen, we know what it's like in our business when the phone rings. Um, one, you're grateful, and two, you answer with a with a yes, regardless of what they ask you to do. So from my standpoint, I'm just grateful that the phone keeps ringing and I get to be around kids, um, whether it's the 76ers, 20-year-olds, or it's some of the collegiate 18 and 19-year-olds. Either way, I'm a lucky dude. What do you make of this year's draft class? I think it's deep. I think there's um, there's a couple diamonds in the rough there that – uh, I think may catch some people by surprise. I'm not worried about the 76ers picking at 10th. Um, would you like to pick earlier? Of course you'd like to pick earlier, but I think that there can be some talent there. Uh, I'm also hearing things about the Sixers wanting to move and use that pick um, maybe to lure someone else here or to move up in the draft. Um, so that's I find that interesting too, but I, I think if the Sixers were to stay in Pat at 10, I think that there's some potential talent there because I think the, I do think that there's a, a lot of talent coming out of college this year. If you're a fan, you got to love to hear something like what Brett Brown said the other week. We plan to be bold. We plan to be aggressive. Essentially, he said, if there's a chance to do something that we really believe in and it requires some strength and fortitude, we're going to go out and do it. And listen, with a tenth of the stake of the draft is what the 76ers hold, they have plenty of assets. They do. And I love the way Brett you know, phrases that because it's how they play, too. Right. They're bold and they're aggressive, and I think that'll attract guys. You know, you heard we've heard guys like Marco Bellinelli, J.J. Redick, veterans who have been around the league and played for a number of different teams, and both of them throughout the course of this past season talked about a number of times, talked about how much fun they're having out there, how much fun they enjoy playing, whether it's with Joel, whether it's with Ben, or whether it's just a collective unit and the way Brett Brown likes to play. So I think that... Um, the league being a small league, that gets around. People notice that. People hear what guys like J.J. Redick and Marco Bellinelli say, and, th- and, they, th- and they figure when, it, when it's their time to decide where they're going, hey, maybe Philadelphia is a destination I, I might consider because of all those factors we just talked about. Uh, it's a lot different than it was three years ago, and I think Brett Brown and his boldness, if you will, and the organization's boldness has a lot to do with it. 
in your three now plus years getting to know him, just what would you say gives him the strength of leadership that he has, especially now as he guides the Sixers through this transition period? Well, I, I, listen, I, I played for a great coach, Coach K, and the best part about him was his communication. You always knew where you stood um, in his eyes, what you needed to work on, and I think Brett's the same way. Um, even more so because now you've got guys and you've got to worry about egos even more than you do on the collegiate level. And you got to worry about getting all the different guys in the locker rooms and their egos and their agendas all on the same page. And I think that um, in itself at times goes unnoticed because you just figure, well, how hard is it to field five guys out there and call subs? Well, it's a lot harder than, 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 than someone on the, uh, on the surface would, 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 would see. And I think that's something that um, I think goes a long way. He's really, really good at it. I mean, he's really, really good at communicating with us when we talk to him um, and when we, we ask him questions. And when he's forthcoming, uh, it's enlightening. And I think that's the same thing. When, uh, when, when you see how he deals with his players, that's another thing that I think makes Philadelphia an attractive destination. I got to say, I think one of the more entertaining, at least for me, parts of this pre-draft period is getting to listen to your fellow Duke Blue Devil brethren, Elton Brand, get in front of the mic and uh, get some FaceTime, which I know he's not seeking, but it's been great to hear his personnel insights and just how much more comfortable he seems. Not that he was lacking for confidence this time last year when he was about to go into his first season as a G League general manager, but no, I've, I've been loving le- hearing what he's got to say, and it seems like he really has the pulse on what's going on, and I thought he brought up an interesting point uh, on Monday that right now it sounds like the conversation with the Sixers very much is revolving around fit versus potential and going back to let's say the Sixers stay at 10 that type of debate to me at least seems like it gets thrust in the forefront when you're at a spot like that and especially when you take into account the dynamic of the 76ers roster and how minutes might not quite be readily available you would presume at the start of next season well listen you're going to want a guy who's going to want to come in and accept his role whatever role that may be and at times, because of the guys that we already have and potentially may bring in, you may not have to uh, do the same thing you did in college. You may have to adjust. Uh, you know, I remember going to the Portland team and realizing all of a sudden that Clyde Drexler didn't need 20 points out of me at night. Uh, it's the same thing here. Uh, Brett Brown and Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons may not need uh, 20 points a night out of the number 10 pick, whoever he may be. But he may have to learn how to defend. He may have to learn how to defend guys he's never covered before because defense is a pillar of what Brett Brown wants to do. So I think, you know, the, the fit part I understand because it's all about character. Um, and listen, I think character is an overlooked quality as well. A lot of people will tell you when you've got people of character, you've got people you can depend on. Not trying to imply that the 76ers might favor one of these guys over another, but if we zero in on the wing position and I throw out names at you like Kevin Knox, Miles Bridges, and Mikhail Bridges, and I'll catch that by saying no particular order, what's a thumbnail sketch that you would give of those three guys? Well, listen, Knox I like, um, and from what I hear, he's you know he's gone up the draft board um, and his ability, I, I like that his ability to put the ball on the floor. The other two, the, the, the Bridges guys, I've gotten a chance to see them a lot. And Miles Bridges for Michigan State's a little bit more beefier. He's a little bit more athletic than the Villanova Bridges, but at the same time, um, he can shoot it a little bit, put the ball on the floor. He is 
learn to play facing the basket. He came out of high school, the 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 one at Mich- Michigan State, Miles Bridges. He came out being predominantly a back to the basket, burly kind of player, and now all of a sudden you see him now starting to play more face up. Um, and then the the Bridges, the Michael Bridges out of uh, Villanova. I like him because I think he's closer to what Brett Brown wants defensively. Um, I think Miles Bridges has a little bit more defense work on the defensive end to do because I think he's had to cover just the, the physical the physical guys in the Big Ten. Now on this level, you mentioned it being a swing. He's going to be out on the perimeter a lot more. So I think that's the adjustment um, that a guy like Miles Bridges has more to make than a Michael Bridges. I think Michael Bridges is a perhaps in that regard a better fit, but I don't think you can lose a lot because I don't think you're going to ask a lot of these guys um, when they come into this team um, and and play whatever role and whatever minutes um, they get. So I think whatever whatever guy you you get, I think he's going to have to embrace his role, and I think it starts on the defensive end. Would you think that after the big man position, whether it's a power forward or center in this draft, wing is where there's the next quality of depth closer towards the top? I, I do. I think there's a number of different guys um, that play both ends of the floor, you know, that play in transition. Um, and I think the Sixers need that. I think we, we talked about the ultimate swing guy, if you will, um, for I guess about a year and a half now, noticing that that's something that the Sixers could use. Um, there's a few of those out there. But again, let's not expect them to come in and be incredibly productive NBA players their first year. What we saw from Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, those guys are outliers, not not the norm. I have to ask you about some of the men who hail from your own pedigree down in Durham, North Carolina. Marvin Bagley seems like it would be surprising if he did not go in the top three. But Wendell Carter, he seems to be floating around that 7, 10, 11 range. What do you like about Wendell Carter? Well, what I like is he's added stuff to his game. You know, he first of all, he's one of these guys that rebounds with two hands and everything's above the rim. He plays big. That's the first thing I like about him. He's got long arms. He's got great reach. Um, the old phrase wingspan comes in with him. He's got he's quick off the ground. Um, he's not an overwhelming athlete like a Bagley, but he's a good athlete. Um, I like it because he, every time he gets the ball around the rim, he also just tries to dunk it. Um, he's, there's not a lot of finesse in his game. But that being said, um, toward, you know, there were stretches in the season where I saw him shoot a couple threes at a decent clip because I think he realizes that he's going to have to, the way the game is played at this level, uh, add that to his game. So that's what I mean about him getting better. I think he's one of these young kids. From what I understand, he's a, he's a gym rat. He likes to, likes to work on his game, so that's something that's going to bode well for him, especially when you consider he's got a lot of work to do, only having gone to college for one year. Michael Porter, the most intriguing prospect in this draft to you? Well, yeah, but his back worries me, you know, and um, I think that's the, the, the issue is you, it's the unknown. Right. Um, and, if, and if it's become an issue – um, at an early age, you know, the, 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 the back situation has a word that gets applied to a degenerative word, which means it doesn't get better. It, it steadily gets worse. Um, and that means that he's going to have to stay on it, um, stay flexible. He's going to need a lot of close attention on it. And you just wonder, you know, is somebody that young 
that going to be that mature and that diligent about keeping after his back and staying healthy. Um, it's a risk, but can he play? Absolutely, he can play. But again, the back is a little bit different, and it's a little more worrisome than other parts of the body. Where would you expect Grayson Allen to go in terms of range of the draft? I wouldn't expect him to go before 20. You know, I, but I have heard, you know, he's had really good workouts. Um, and from what I know about him, the, the first thing I always tell people is, you know, he's more athletic than you think. He's, uh, you know, he's obviously, from what I understand, his uh, vertical leap had, impressed, his speed impressed, his lateral movement impressed. Um, I know Danny Ainge in Boston loves him. Uh, so, I, again, I don't expect him to go high. I don't expect him to be a lottery pick, but I expect him to come in. Um, he'll struggle a little bit initially with the physicality, but I think once he gets a little stronger, I think Grayson's going to be a good pro for about a good eight to ten years. I'm not sure if you've ever gotten a sense of this, but with your connections between both the NCAA and the NBA, do you have any idea of just how frequently NBA personnel people are on the phone with college coaches, whether it's a head coach or an assistant, this time of year, preceding the height of the draft period, just trying to get more intel? Is that a regular thing? Listen, I think they do a lot more than that, brother. I think they send people, <laughs> they send people to, to your family and friends, and they ask about you. Um, I've had, you know, heard stories about they'll send people to your teachers to ask, you know, what kind of worker you are. Um, there's a lot more involved. Yeah, I would definitely say, Brian, that they're talking. That's at the very least talking to their college coaches. And hopefully their college coaches are giving them, the, you know, the, the, the truth, you know, whether or not uh, the players got some shortcomings, because let's face it, they all got some shortcomings. But again, also the college coach is going to, be defending his player and talk about his upside. You mentioned earlier the idea of there being some diamond in the rough type prospects in this draft. Are there any names of guys that you've seen over your travels or just have enjoyed uh, watching um, this season that, that you think are at a good level to possibly step in, fill a role, do something on a roster? I think Trey Young at Oklahoma is a guy that um, he may not have been crushing it during these um, – these workouts, but I like his physical package. The only knock on him, if I was going to critique his game, is he's a little small and his, his shot selection isn't that great. But he was also had a lot to do with the situation he was in in Oklahoma where he was the guy who basically had to do a, a, almost everything. Um, but I like his speed and the way the game's played now. He's got good enough handle. If he can navigate through a pick-and-roll situation, he's going to be a handful. How many first-rounders do you think Villanova gets on draft night? Ooh. It, it's a shame about Brunson, isn't it? Because he gets knocked for his lack of size, but they don't measure his heart. <laughs> right. Uh, and, 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 they don't, and, and, and there is no instrument to measure that, unfortunately, for the NBA Combine. So uh, I'm going to say two, but I think they deserve more than that. It's crazy because when you go back and look at what he's done, and I, I wasn't – fully aware of this in the past but just recently trying to catch up on him he really has just been outstanding at every level whether it was usa basketball high school in illinois and then obviously what he did with the wildcats like you said earlier it's like intangibles that that's gotta you think count for some part of the profile and he's just someone who has succeeded so far at every level yeah i think you know what his problem is he doesn't fit the mold of the other sub six footers when you think of someone who's a sub six footer they're going to have to have lightning quick speed. 
And I think that may be something that I don't know if they deem him qu- quick enough, um, the NBA scouts. But it seems like his height is a detriment, and they're not finding any, I guess, positive qualities to kind of make up for it. You know, I'm thinking immediately of like a Muggsy Bogues or a Michael Adams going way back. Those guys were lightning quick to compensate for their size. And maybe they just don't think Jalen has the uh, prerequisite quickness. But again, I'm just going to go back to his heart um, and knowing and seeing how he's played and the fact that he's won um, and made every team he's been on better. I don't know why you wouldn't want to give that a look. As we begin to wrap things up, um, the news of Tuesday is that the Sixers are bringing back Knox for a second workout. This time it's going to be a solo workout, and Texas Tech's Zaire Smith is going to be back for a second six-man workout. How much would you make of that? Well, see, having gone through it myself and um, not getting drafted by any of the teams I worked out for <laughs> and then – not getting drafted by teams that would tell me that they were going to draft me the day of the draft. I don't know what to believe anymore, Brian. Um, I don't know if it's a good thing. I don't know if it necessarily means anything. I know it's not a bad thing. I know the fact that, you know, as long as they don't come in for that second workout and have a worse workout than they did in the first one, then I know potentially for them it's not a bad thing. But the fact that other teams are asking about you and want to see more, um, that can't hurt. How much football are you watching these days? Uh, let's put it this way. There's not much of anything else going on. <laughs> the, the World Cup has completely taken over this household. Egypt plays tomorrow. I'm pretty pumped. That's right. Big game versus Russia. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So I'm trying to contain myself now. Alrighty, man. Well, the knowledge always much appreciated. We must wish you in advance a happy birthday. Hopefully Thank you enjoy you, it coming up in a few weeks. And it is great hearing from you. During a time of the year where we don't get to uh, connect and touch base as much. So thanks so much for the time, man. Thanks for for the time to be with you. And also, I want to wish you the very best to everyone at home. Have a wonderful summer, my man. Yeah, big birthday coming up for Allah in a few days. Always excellent to hear Allah's insights. Appreciate him taking the time before he was getting ready to get out of town for a little bit thank you as always for listening and we'll have more draft coverage on the podcast as this week rolls on along talk to you then see you Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! 
and some waves so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.